The opinions expressed on the Rape Declaration Forum radio program by the guests and call-in listeners are solely the opinions of the original source who expressed them. They do not necessarily represent the opinions of RDF, the B-Network, WBAI, or its affiliates. This is an uncomfortable but compelling and absolutely necessary program. Serious content, audience discretion is advised. Rape Declaration Forum Radio Program is a virtual safe space for survivors of rape, sexual, and domestic abuse to share their stories, challenges, and triumphs. We are a live call-in show. Our number is 321-445-1488. Our Skype address is The B Network. That's T-H-E-B-E-E-N-E-T-W-O-R-K. RDF hosts are producer, editor, multimedia news reporter for the BBC Radio, Radio France, and WBAI New York, Rebecca Miles. And rape survivor, thriver of life, author, holistic trauma counselor, Reverend Jay Grace. If after listening to the show you feel it triggered some issues and you need to speak to someone, you can call the 24-hour confidential hotline, the National Sexual Assault Hotline, 1-800-656-HOPE. If you are interested in counseling with holistic trauma counselor, Reverend Jay Grace, or if you are a survivor or an advocate and would like to be a guest, email us at rdfradio at yahoo.com or check our Facebook, RDF Radio. Who listens to survivors? RDF does. Welcome, everyone. It is Thursday, October 23rd, and you are listening to the Rape Declaration Forum debuting for the first time here at the broadcast Empowered Entertainment, the B Network. RDF is a program that provides a virtual safe space for survivors of rape, domestic, and sexual abuse to share their stories, challenges, and triumphs. I am your host, Jay Grace. For the past two decades, I have, I have counseled and advocated for survivors of trauma using a holistic approach to help my own journey, and now I'm able to share it with others. I myself am a survivor and a survivor of life. My lovely co-host is Rebecca Miles, who's in New York, and she is a producer, editor, and multimedia news reporter for the BBC Radio, Free Speech and Radio News, Radio France International, and WBAI Pacifica Radio. Welcome to the show, Rebecca. You are there? Yes, yes, I'm here. Oh, fantastic. I love technology when it works. <laughs> And for those who may not know, October is National Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And in honor of that, tonight's guest is an inspiring one. We have with us Nancy Salamone, who is founder and CEO of The Business of Me. And her website is www.thebusinessofme.com. She's also the author of Nancy's Story, A Victory Over Violence. Welcome, Nancy. Oh, it's nice to be with you both. Oh, thank you so much for being so patient. <laughs> no problem. I agree with you. Technology is great when it works. <laughs> <laughs> now, Nancy, um, you are a founder of the business of me. Can you tell uh, me and, and our listeners a little bit about your um, company? The business of me was started in about 2001, and that was years after... Uh, my divorce was finalized. I had been in uh, vice president on Wall Street. Mm -hmm. And after years of being healing from my abusive relationship, I felt I wanted to give back. And everything, the program that I developed, the curriculum to help survivors rebuild their lives after abuse was based on things that I had learned when I was trying to rebuild my life. Mm -hmm. And if we can fast forward now, uh, 11, 12 years later, the program has been expanded and upgraded to include research-based practices that help survivors to deal with the trauma that they have been through for example, many survivors, and I was one of them, suffered from PTSD. Sure. And now we include guided meditation mm, when we begin each program. 
and that's based on research from, um, I believe it's Dr. Belarus, who had done long studies about how guided meditation can help alleviate uh, certain symptoms of PTSD. So the program is really a life skills program. So I'm gonna I'm gonna a- stop you for a second only because um, is your mic a little bit too close to you because I, I hear it kind of like okay. a little muffled or or staticky so I want to make sure right. people get a chance is this to hear. Um, it's it's static anymore but um, I can't hear you very well so if you can project your voice a little bit that will be fantastic. Sure. So tell me how this is working now. That's better, much better. Thank you. So continue. Great. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I wanted people no, to no, listen no, to no. this. I thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so the program includes not only things like guided meditation, but it also is a program that looks forward, mm-hmm. meaning we're going to help you find ways to create the life you want and that you deserve. Right. So we will also use uh, visioning techniques, but we have put in there uh, using, for example, a collage as to not only write down what your vision is, mm-hmm. but let's build a collage. But we are using what I call 21st century technology to do that. We use Pinterest for each person to create a collage. Mm-hmm. Then they can share it with the group, and it becomes something we can all talk about. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's almost, um, you use a lot of like the healing arts, which is whether it's um, journaling, writing, visualization, meditation, things of that nature. You incorporate that. Absolutely. And we also do what I call the hard skills. Yes, we include uh, financial literacy because financial literacy is as important as knowing how to use a knife and a fork. Absolutely. So... There are those aspects in there, but it's not just financial literacy. It's how do you, uh, how your budget and how you budget your money mm-hmm. is really tied into how you see your future life. Right. So there, the, both things are, are actually the participants learn that my finances and my life mm-hmm. are actually together. Right, because uh, I think and how they intertwine. Well, I think for a lot of um, survivors of domestic violence, they one of the reasons that they stay in a relationship that might be abusive is finances for a lot of them. Absolutely, uh, economic abuse is as destructive as physical abuse. Mm-hmm. Where your partner could get you into debt, you may have no choice but to file bankruptcy. Your partner can steal your money. Uh, many women who find the courage to leave that relationship, you know, show up at a shelter with, you know, probably very little cash on hand and the clothes on their back mm-hmm. and their children in tow. And if there were joint accounts, they run the risk that those accounts are going to be cut off from them. Right. So there are, or if the woman has a job, your partner can will harass you at work, as mine did. Mm-hmm. Uh, you lost productivity. You, you're, if you are abused over the weekend, let's say you, on Monday morning, you wake up and, and you've got this awful migraine and you can't lift your head off the pillow. Right. Well, you run the risk of possibly losing your job because you have been out ill so many times. So financial abuse, economic abuse is very, very dangerous and very destructive. When you were saying that, I, I, I used to work as, as a crisis counselor, and a lot of um, the survivors would, would contact us, and um, a lot of them were fired because a lot of the companies didn't know what was going on. And even if they knew what was going on, they didn't want to deal with it. They weren't prepared to de- deal with it. They didn't know how to handle it. Um, is that something that you 
have um, working with? Are you, are you, are, do you work with companies and sort of educate them on, on these issues? The program, The Business of Me, has now been written mm-hmm. as an employee assistance program. Fantastic. So I work with corporations, and, and the corporations who Im- install the program, uh, the employees are invited to attend, and it's an online live webinar. Oh, great. So you can join anonymously. Mm-hmm. And you have no fear of being found out. One of the stigmas I lived with mm-hmm. for many years was the shame of being in that kind of relationship. What are people going to think of me? How do I, I mean, how do I explain myself? I'm being, you know, this competent person by day and then being beat up by night. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of shame that I carried, and I didn't want anyone at work to know. Absolutely. It makes sense. Um, And uh, for those who are listening, I mean, how long was your relationship? Can you talk to us and share a little bit about how this came to be? I was married for 20 years. Um, And how it came to be, that's a great question. Mm -hmm. And as I look back on my life and talk about it in in the book that you mentioned, A Victory Over Violence, I grew up in the Bronx in a Roman Catholic Sicilian family. Mm-hmm. And my religion and my culture defined the choices I eventually made for myself. I was brought up very strict Catholic where you know you you don't you 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 don't get divorced you don't leave your husband I bought into that and my my cultural background I was brought up with you know carry your cross Mm -hmm. don't hang out your dirty laundry to dry you know which Mm -hmm. means don't ever do anything that's going to embarrass the family and if you you know your problems are your own and you just have to deal with it I was told many times, you made your bed, you lie in it, mm-hmm. which to me translated means it's your problem. Right. So those paradigms that I was brought up with, not only did I get into that relationship early on, but then emotionally I found it very, very difficult to leave. And I'm, I'm asked the question a lot, well, what was that one incident that made you leave? Right. And there wasn't one incident. It was literally a moment of clarity. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't there. And I had this window where I literally just had an out-of-body experience and started packing a bag, closed that suitcase, walked out the door, and literally went to my mother's house, who knew nothing about what I had endured because I never said a word. Mm-hmm. So when she opened the door that Saturday evening when I showed up, and before she could say a word, I said, have I got a story for you? Huh. And, you know, as you go, at, when you are in an abusive relationship, you are pretty much isolated from family and friends. Right. So my mother, I hadn't seen her in quite some time. We didn't really speak a lot except on the phone periodically. So this was a, a, a complete surprise to her. Mm-hmm. Could, could I ask you about that? Was that something your, your husband insisted upon in order to then control the relationship? Or it was just that you were not close by? No, we were close by. My mom lived in the Bronx. I was living in Brooklyn Heights at the time. So it's yeah. not like it was a great distance. Uh, but it was, I was never allowed to be with family or friends. In fact, I, I in my book I talk about, I had, there was family who I hardly saw. And then there were coworkers. But there were really no friends. Because 
you were isolated. I was controlled. Mm-hmm. It was a mind control that you know you. I'm watching you. He'd call me at work six, seven times a day. Where are you? Why weren't you in the office when I called you? You know, where? Wh- who did you go to lunch with? Mm-hmm. Or if I would call up and say I, I'm going to be late. Oh, you're stupid. You have to work late because you're stupid. So it was years of being denigrated, being physically abused, and sexually abused that culminated into this, I'm going to say, this shell of a person that I was. Mm -hmm. And the person you're talking to now is 180 from what I call the old Nancy. And the old Nancy had to spend 10 years in therapy Hmm. to get to where she is today. Now, Nancy... um when you said you were in this relationship for 20 years, uh, before you guys were married, did he show or exhibit any of, of, of these abusive tendencies? Or was it a gradual sort of emotional breakdown? It was, he showed abusive tendencies not long after into the relationship. I was... 15 when I met him. Wow. And he was, you know, this tall, dark, handsome college guy who was, oh, my God, interested in little me. Mm -hmm. And so as a young girl, I was infatuated. And, you know, I thought I had magical powers. He was moody and unhappy but you know Mm -hmm. I'm going to be able to change that you know I've got these magical powers and of course I have no magical powers Mm -hmm. so it progressively got worse but even early on there was the beginning of this isolation Mm -hmm. where he would pick me up from school so rather than being with friends I would be with him Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I was younger, I said, oh, wow, isn't this fantastic? He just wants to be with me. But little did I know this was, I I, I don't want to refer to it as a training, but this was a way of isolating me from friends and from family. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that's that's not uncommon, I was just going to say. Unfortunately, that, that is... Um, sort of part of, of their abuser's trait, which is to isolate. And especially if you're young, and there's a lot of young women out there who understand that as, oh, wow, he really loves me because he wants me Absolutely. To- and today, it must be, there weren't, oh, God, yeah, he loves me. But now, today, you've got a mobile device. Mm-hmm. So now, it's back when I was dating him, there were no cell phones, there were no mobile devices. But now, you could be stalked yep. and harassed, and someone knows exactly where you are yeah. because you have that mobile device. Mm-hmm. So the amount of control is probably even more intensified now because of those things. So how long have you um, started the business of me? And and, um, can you tell me a little bit about the response from people who are benefiting of this program? The business of me has been the first program I presented was... Uh, in a shelter in New Jersey called Jersey Battered Women's Services. And the program was really well received. Uh, I have got evidence from people who say, oh my God, I can now move my life forward. The program was also written on the basis of knowing that survivors are resilient. Mm -hmm. And that's not... That's also based on research, and I escaped my, her, my, her name, but a professor has done a lot of research on uh, the resiliency of survivors in 
family violence, be it domestic, sexual, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, and d- the importance of developing programs that capitalize on that resiliency, which is what, in fact, the business of me does. And there are two other principles the program was based on. There was research done by by uh, Dr. David Levinson, who was an anthropologist at Yale University. And he did an extensive study of what uh, he termed at the time wife battering. Mm-hmm. And he studied 120 societies. And in societies where women had two things, economic independence and a strong network of women around them, incidences of wife battering were practically non-existent. So taking that research, we've brought the program up to the 21st century. We have developed our own social networking platform. We call it a SOCED system. And SOCED, S-O-C-E-D, is a hybrid of both the social networking and educational platform. So every participant in the business of me joins the SOSED system anonymously and so that they're not found. So it is a secure system. If you Google their name, they're, they're not going to show up on this system because they don't join in their name. Right. Uh, and this is a place where the moderators can help continue the progress the participants are making, but also it becomes the community helping each other. So, for example, if Rebecca was an active participant of this networking group and Rebecca falls off the grid, let's say, she doesn't log on for two weeks, my system can send a notification to either the shelter or another organization that says, you know, Rebecca hasn't signed on for two weeks. You may want to reach out and give her a call. Or Rebecca's talking about going back to the abuser. Or Rebecca's talking about suicide. Mm -hmm. And then what also happens is the community rises up and helps Rebecca. So it becomes a community... It becomes the 21st century version of what Dr. Davis Levinson talked about, having this community of women around them. Fantastic. Fantastic. And thank you. Thank you. So that is, is part of it. But another part is, as I, I talked about before, uh, doing this collage. Mm-hmm. And part of the collage, I asked that, not only tell me how you see your life, but put an aspiration in there. Something you wanted to do and perhaps you were told you would never be able to do this. Put that in there. And so when we talk about their collages and everyone then presents their collage, we, they talk about that aspiration. And during that particular session, we talked to them about a SWOT analysis. Now, SWOT is strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Mm-hmm. And having been on Wall Street for years and uh, you know worked in bringing products to market, you do a SWOT analysis to determine the uh, viability of your product success before it actually goes to market. Mm-hmm. But this is somewhat similar. You tell me in your professional career or maybe you want to start a business or whatever it might be and what you're going to do is you're going to determine the strengths, weaknesses, opportunities and threats of that particular aspiration and the group then is going to help you and they help each other to take the weaknesses and make them opportunities and take the threats make them strengths so that you can, it's the group that helps them move their idea forward that's awesome. So it becomes a method, a way of thinking. I remember the decisions I made, especially 
when I initially left my ex-husband were emotional knee-jerk decisions. Mm -hmm. I had to make a decision. I have to make it now. Right. And I didn't always make the most, the best decision. I was making the emotional decision. But when you do in your mind this SWOT analysis, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats, what you're going to make is the best decision for that particular situation. Mm. So, go ahead. Uh, well, I was going to ask, when you did leave, did you did you have children that you had to consider as well? I mean, how how complex was the leaving? The leaving, I I had no, we had no children, and the re yeah. part of the reason I think we had no children is his problem. In addition to being an abuser, he was a gambler. Now I was the major source of income. Right. I ended up being a VP on Wall Street. So I was the major source of income. So as I tell everybody, and I excuse the phrase, I was the cash cow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So when I left him, it took over two years to get a divorce. Primarily, there was no love. He was losing a lifestyle. Right. So as it turned out, after... Two and a half years of battling, my attorney one day finally called and said he's going to settle for a certain amount of money in cash. And when I say cash, I meant cash. I said, well, I'll write a check. She said, no, 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 Nancy, you don't understand. He wants cash. Hmm. And I said, done. Hmm. But as I said, there was no love. There was – it was – he lost control of me. He lost control of his lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I'm going to say it's, it's 930, so we're going to do a little quick break. You stay here, and I'm going to give the number, so anyone that wants to join the conversation, uh, our Skype number is 321-445-1488. And if you just want to Skype us, just go to the B Network, that's T-H-E. B-E-E-N-E-T-W-O-R-K. And we'll be right back after this. You are listening to Broadcast Empowered Entertainment, the B Network. Get ready to get buzzed. More and more people are turning to alternative medicine. This approach to healing creates a demand for people familiar with alternative medicine practices. You can get your Bachelor of Science degree in alternative medicine from Everglades University. You'll learn about antioxidants, homeopathy, traditional Chinese medicine, and more. Call Everglades University now for more information. Call 1-888-NEW-SUCCESS. That's 1-888-NEW-SUCCESS. Post-traumatic stress disorder, relationship issues, career development, support for loved ones of a survivor, and any other issue, then A Place for Grace might be the place for you. A Place for Grace is an integrated holistic counseling service. We address the importance of including your mind, body, and spirit, utilizing talk therapy, meditation, and other creative healing arts methods to assist you in reclaiming your precious life. To find out more about our office visits or Skype sessions, you can call 347-860-4617 or email at jgrace at yahoo.com. That's J-A-Y-G-R-A-Y-C-E at yahoo.com. As a survivor and thriver of life, I know how important it is to get the right support, and I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Think about your mother your sister, your girlfriend. One in six women is a victim of sexual assault. Now think about your father, your brother, your best friend. Men are victims too. In fact, one in 33 are. Rape can happen to anyone. Call the National Sexual Assault Hotline at 1-800-656-HOPE to learn how to support someone you love. Broadcast Empowered Entertainment. The place to be. 
And we're back here at the Rape Declaration Forum here at the B Network, Broadcasting Powered Entertainment. And we have Rebecca Miles, my co-host in New York. Rebecca. Hello. <laughs> and, of course, our guest, Nancy Salomon. She is founder and CEO of The Business of Me. And she also is the author of Nancy's Story, A Victory Over Violence. Welcome back. Hi. <laughs> so you were telling us um, about how your divorce came to be. Now, you also... We were talking a bit more about the business of me. Mm -hmm. and, we, and then Rebecca asked yeah. you a question. Yeah, she asked you a question about the divorce and how it came to be. Um, now, you mentioned also that it took you 10 years of, of therapy to, to, to get to the point of this n new Nancy. Yes. Um, tell us about that. I was really fortunate. The week I left him, that first week I left him, I did two things. Mm -hmm. I got an attorney and I got a therapist. That's great. And I got really fortunate. For the first two and a half years, the therapist and I did what I refer to, I, I don't think she would refer to this, as what I call emergency therapy. Mm -hmm. I'll give you a for example. I was the only female VP in my company at the time. All my coworkers were men. Mm -hmm. When I left, my ex-husband started calling and harassing and threatening my male coworkers. Goodness, really? Jeez. And so I had no. I, I did. I didn't know how to deal with that. I had no emotional intelligence, really, to be able to deal with that. Mm -hmm. So I would call up Claire and say, Claire, what do I do? And she would help guide me through. So for two, two and a half years, until the divorce was final, until that payday in my attorney's office, mm -hmm. we dealt with what I call this emergency therapy. How do I respond to this? Right. How do I respond to this kind of threat? Mm. Um, after that was over, after the divorce was over, it was paid, I felt comfortable that he wasn't really going to be part of my life. Mm -hmm. I walked into her office and I said, I need to know why I did what I did so that I never do it again. And she said to me, fasten your seatbelt, it's going to be a rocky ride. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then she followed up by saying, in this room, in these walls, there is no judgment. You are free to say whatever you choose to say. And so for the eight years that followed, we explored what made me what made me tick why why i acted in the way i did mm -hmm. what were those paradigms i was brought up with what was that belief system that i was brought up with that perhaps some of it or a lot of it actually didn't serve me well right. and how yes. i then break away from that belief system right so it and it, it was as she said a rocky ride. <laughs> yeah, can but I... a worthwhile ride. Absolutely, and you know we always talk about this, Rebecca and I, the, the the transformation from victim to survivor and thriver. You know, there's different phases of it. Uh, who are in, in a situation, abuse situation, tend sometimes to get stuck in the victim mode, and and, and hold on to it a lot longer than it needs to be. And so um, therapy is so essential uh, in this, in, in getting the right therapist. You got, it sounds like you were lucky that you found the right match, but for a lot of um, people, it, it's, it's not easy to find the right match that is, that they're able to find some place where they can feel safe and, and to not I, be judged. You're absolutely, yeah, you're absolutely correct. I was really very fortunate and uh, I'm always great. I, to this day, I'm, I'm grateful mm -hmm. uh, for 
having found, having been fortunate enough to find that particular therapist immediately. Right, right. Immediately. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, And the road was rocky, but it was something I had to go through to move, as you say, from victim to survivor to thriver. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I consider being a survivor. That's a great thing. Mm-hmm. I've survived breast cancer too. Mm. But it's not just surviving for me anymore. Right. It's it's moved past that. Exactly. Exactly. And and that's so important. So important. Nancy, I wanted to ask you, you, you mentioned that the, these sort of family traditions the, mm-hmm. were part of the, you know, put, put up with something that you've, you've agreed to do, like you, you married this person, therefore you just have to sort of put up with it. Um, but in, in your, the program that you offer, are you, are you finding that a lot of the women, that it's the same, it's the same ideas that they've, Really been brought up with a sort of submissive to the male partner. Um, they've brought, been brought up in traditions like that, or is there, or is, or is there some commonality in how the abuse starts and the denial of seeing what's really going on until the women have the strength to just leave because it's either threatening to their life or they just can't, they can't take it anymore. Yeah, it, it, that's that's a really great question. Be, after the book was published, women would come up to me of various cultural backgrounds, various religious backgrounds, and say, "Your story could be my story." Mm-hmm. And even though we live in the United States, and in people, I think people have this impression that. United States is, is is perhaps progressive or whatever it is. We're a melting pot of different cultures. We bring our culture with us. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. You know, we may look, you know, very American when we walk out of our door to go to school or go to work or whatever we do. But as soon as we come back in that door, we're back in our culture and in our environment. Mm-hmm. And for me and for many others, that culture and that environment plays a huge role in forming our belief system. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, for me, it was very difficult to break away from what would that do to my family. Mm-hmm. Right. And there are many others out there like me. Absolutely. Now, Nancy, um, did he ever, your ex-husband, acknowledge that he was abusive? Did he, what was his response? Did you ever even have the conversation that, you know, you're an abuser? Oh, no. And and I'll, I'll tell you, no. What he would say is, Nancy, you know, if you didn't, I wouldn't. Right, exactly. You know, mm-hmm. so, mm-hmm. so it, it, it's like he was the type of person who it's not me, it's everything else around me. So there was a lack of taking responsibility for one's actions right. because you're, you did it. Right. Um, so there was one no conversation about that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I'll share with you until I left I never even knew there was a term domestic violence until my attorney told me mm-hmm. I thought what I was living through was in its own way normal this is what happens mm-hmm. I'm in a bad marriage this is what happens did I even know that what he was doing to me was committing a crime? Right. No. Did I ever call the police? Absolutely not. Because I was more afraid of what he would do if he got released. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And 
I was more afraid if someone, if uh, of if the few times we got together with relatives, mm-hmm. if my mother or someone would say, you know, why don't you talk to her nicer? Hmm. I would like go, oh my God, when I go home, there's going to be hell to pay. Right. So, I don't want to say that I was ignorant. I just believed because of the the way my environment and my religion and my culture mm-hmm. that this was just what you were supposed to endure. I have since found out that's absolutely not true. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I... I if there are any young women who are listening to this, mm-hmm. you know, it's wonderful that someone wants to be with you all the time. But if someone really cares about you, they really want you to have a lot of friends. They really want you to have the career you want to have. They really want to be your partner, not your jailer. And that's very important, partner. There's a difference, a huge difference. Absolutely. You know, and, and there's another thing when someone someone might say, well, he just hit me that one time. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. that first time that someone hits you is probably the hardest. It's easier the second time around. Yeah. So what, if he hits you, you once, you he may hit you again. What, what do you mean it's easier the second time around? Well... I'm thinking, uh, you know, my ex-husband, when he first hit me, I think he, it surprised him. He had always been nasty, but then he hit me. Yes, yeah. he sexually abused me after our honeymoon. And I think once he got into the mode of physical and sexual abuse, mm-hmm. it became a routine. All right. You know, I'm wondering, and I, I'm, you're, I'm not a therapist, I'm not mm-hmm. someone who does it, but it's almost as if, as I recall it years later, it got easier for him to abuse me. Right. Well, it's, it sounds to me like um, I've, with uh, former clients of mine, where they, the first, uh, the guy would apologize and say, I never did this before, I'm sorry. And they would tell me, you know, perhaps had I broke up with the person and never gotten back together, perhaps if I would have reported it to someone, then he would have, I wouldn't be in this predicament. And so what I'm trying to say is that um, most people, if you meet them on a first date and the guy is hits you, you're going to call the cops because there's not an emotional tie to that person. Mm-hmm. You, just, you know, um, it's harder when you're high. That makes it so complex. And a lot of abusers, um, whether consciously or subconsciously, um, do this, this thing where they, they first get you to be so in love and so infatuated with, the, with them so that if and when they do decide to act on it, they're sort of counting that you won't report them or break up with them. Right. You're, you know, because the truth is he was so charming. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, he could charm anyone. Mm-hmm. And then when all of a sudden it turns, as you're saying, for me, it's, it's almost as saying, you're in too deep at this point. Right, right. Mm-hmm. You've got a lot of emotional capital built into this relationship for whatever that, your particular, whatever the particular reasons are. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was me. I was, it was just, I was in too deep. Yeah, yeah. And the deeper I got, I mean, the hole was huge. I refer to those years as falling into a black hole. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, you know, I, when I hear you talk about it, you know, it, if, you know, it, I feel so many emotions from you, you know, this, this wonderful, freedom and empowerment that you have and that you're sharing with us but I also feel some of the the pain that was caused there and there was a lot of pain you know there it was a tremendous amount of pain and there are so many 
women, girls out there who are experiencing this kind of pain. Mm -hmm. You know, it's wonderful we have a month where we say, okay, this is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Right. And, you know, their organizations go out there and they do a big push on education and, and trying to bring this to light. But the truth is there are millions of women who, after October 31st, are still going to be in a domestic violent relationship. Mm-hmm. And for oh. them, the struggle continues. And, you know, there are many times when I hear people saying, well, she can just leave. Right. Well, no, you can't, because the reasons a woman stays or leaves has less to do with the content of her character than to the complexities of what that type of relationship is about. Mm. So, no, you can't always leave. And sometimes it is best not to leave immediately unless you have a safety plan developed. Absolutely. You have children, let's say. You have to have money. So there are things that one needs to do Before you leave, do I think people should leave? You should absolutely leave, but you should leave doing it with a safety plan. That's so true. And And I was just saying. Yeah. In fact, on my website, uh, uh, on the Business of Me website, Mm -hmm. there is a detailed white paper that talks about not only the importance of a safety plan, but how to develop a safety plan for your home, mm-hmm. for work, for before you leave, and after you leave. That's great. So it, that that might be something that some of your listeners who may be thinking that, you know, I, I need to leave, mm-hmm. look at that white paper. And that's on thebusinessofme.com, right? Yes, it is. And it's under the tab called Publications. Okay. And um, also, tell us a little about your book. I mean, we're running out of time, believe it or not. So I want to make sure you talk a little bit more about your book. The book is really an exploration of how I got into that relationship. As we talked about, mm-hmm. my cultural background, my religious background. I talk about what happened during the marriage, how we met. And then I talk about leaving. And then I talk about how dangerous it was for me to leave because that is where the violence, not just against me, and the threats really ratcheted up to a new level. Yeah, it escalated. It Uh, absolutely escalated. Yeah. But I also talk about working my way out of it. Mm -hmm. And if you don't mind, I'll tell you one quick little story that's Absolutely. Go ahead. Share. After we were divorced and I was finally living in my own apartment. Now, remember, I was 39 years old when I left him. Mm -hmm. And I had never lived an independent day in my life. Wow. And after the divorce is final, I'm living in my own apartment. I had a dream one night. Mm -hmm. And in this dream, I see the back of a, a woman's head. And I said, you know, she's got my hairstyle. Well, the woman walks up to a mirror. And she looks in the mirror. And the woman is me... But it's not me Mm -hmm. because the face of that woman, even though it's mine, is incredibly scarred like a severe, severe burn victim. Mm -hmm. Now, I wasn't afraid of that woman. I was more curious. I I remember putting my hand on, on her face and then all of a sudden the woman was gone and I woke up the next morning and I felt incredibly calm. And so when I went to talk to my therapist about it, she says, well, you know, what do you think that dream was about? (laughs) I said, well, I think it's about I may have been scarred, but it's okay. Mm. You're you're scarred, but you're, you're, you're healing. It's okay. You can look at yourself, and now you can move on. And that was for me. So that's one of the stories in there. So the book essentially ends up being a book about hope 
and being able to move your life forward. Mm-hmm. And anyone who wants it, it's on Amazon.com. And the Kindle version is only two ninety nine. And you don't you don't even need a Kindle to get to download it. All you have to do is download the the free Kindle uh, software onto your uh, mobile device or your PC or whatever, and you can get it. That's so. Uh, and uh, if you want to read more about the book, I have another site called www.nancystory.com. Fantastic. Now, um, um, before we leave, I wanted to to make sure that um, what would you tell someone who's um, right now thinking of leaving outside of obviously having a safety plan, but um, as one survivor to another, what would be something you would say? This will be the hardest thing you will do, but the most satisfying thing, but the most worthwhile thing you can do for yourself and your children. And the initial part is like is going to be difficult. There's going to be lawyers, attorneys. There's going to be a lot of aggravation. But once you are through that, your life is going to be 180 degrees different from where it is. Absolutely. I want to thank Rebecca Miles, my co-host in New York, and Nancy Salamone, and of course you, the listeners, for tuning into the RDF Radio here on the B Network. This is Jake Gray saying good night. On behalf of Rebecca Miles, myself, Reverend Jay Grace, we want to remind you to join us every Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time here on the B Network. If you want immediate support, you should contact the National Sexual Assault Hotline at 1-800-656-HOPE. If you want to be a guest on our show or have any comments, please contact us at 321-445-1488 or Skype the B Network. Email rdfradio at yahoo.com or like us at Facebook, RDF Radio. RDF thanks you for sharing and listening. Good night.